TIM Podcasts. The contents and views expressed by individuals in this podcast are not necessarily those of the companies for which they work. Due to the coronavirus lockdown, the CIM podcast is currently being recorded via web conferencing. We apologise for any issues with the audio. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 17 of the CIM Marketing Podcast. Today I'm joined with two stalwarts of the podcast, both from CIM itself, Ali Lee Boone from CIM and James Farmer from CIM, both familiar voices on the podcast. And you know, We've been in this uh, infernal lockdown now for 9, 10, 11 weeks. It seems uh, like an eternity, but things are beginning to loosen up. And very soon, if not already, marketers are going to be faced with a challenge, which is to bring customers back who have not been with us during the lockdown and to retain customers who have suddenly appeared during the lockdown that weren't there before. Now. There really is a double challenge here, isn't there? They've got to bring people from a state of fearfulness to a state of confidence to get customers returning. And although people have found more money in their pockets, they've got to move the consumer from being very, very conservative with their cash to something approaching normality. Now, James, this idea of moving people from a state of fearfulness to a state of confidence is almost a psychological battle that perhaps marketers aren't used to. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, at its core, marketing is is primarily around um, latching on to sentiment or emotion um, and uh, mirroring that back um, to answer a need or a concern. Um, I think this this is obviously a a situation which hasn't been uh, experienced before. Um, I think the the sort of the fearfulness is very deep rooted and will will will, will linger long. Um, but I think there are some sort of you know there are some tools that marketers could can employ um, to to bring about that confidence. But ultimately, confidence is sort of twofold. You know, uh, Mintel's March 2020 report, uh, the consumer confidence index fell um, to a level not seen since 2012. Uh, and confidence is twofold in the sense that they're worried about the COVID-19 and what that means for their health, but equally for their finances. Um, and that, that is a sort of a dual pronged challenge that is, is going to be very, uh, very difficult for marketers to overcome. Ali, have you found more money in your pocket, but fewer things to do with it? Certainly to an extent. I think this has been a period of reflection for a lot of people in terms of spending and priorities, something that's been discussed pre-lockdown, but also kind of to a greater extent during lockdown, is this idea of value-led spending and just aligning your spending habits much more closely to the values that you hold and the businesses that you want to invest in. And I think a lot of people have been reconsidering how they spend and where they spend. And I think that's something that's only going to increase as we move out of lockdown and into normality. I think certainly there's a massive polarisation between people's spending habits, but also the money that they have in their pocket. And so I think it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. James, do you think there's there's something to be said for trying to sort of unlock some of that to some degree, whereas you're not going to be able to expect people to move uh, back to the sort of spending profiles that they had before the lockdown? but you might be able to unlock some of that cash in their pocket, which is currently just sat there and being stockpiled. Absolutely. The age-old phrase of share of wallet, I think, is going to be more pertinent now than ever. Um, I, I, think, I think the answer lies somewhere in, in listening to your audience um, to ensure that 
your product, service, or experience addresses their concerns and is, is aligned with their current thinking. Um, I would suggest doing any type of free qualitative research in any way you can to gain genuine insight on your audience rather than guessing. Um, you know, whether that is joining local community pages on social media to gauge sentiment and discussion points, um, or actually asking customers or prospects, you know, in store if you're retail or on the phone if, if you're not, um, about how they feel about coming out of lockdown and, and what genuine their thoughts are, um, and then use that intel to sort of improve and stand out. So, um, you know, as as with as with any sort of good marketing, you, you reflect your customers' needs and actually listen to them rather than just broadcast at them. It sounds from what Ali was saying, there's, there's, there's been a discernible effect where um, people are more willing to spend their cash if they think it's going to do good, it's going to meet their own values, it's going to do good in some other way. So there's, there's less sort of uh, spraying the cash around as the, in a traditional consumerist fashion, but there are ways of attracting that wallet um, as long as you are pulling the right levers and showing people that it's a uh, beneficial in some other way, other than just a, a short-term uh, sugar rush of retail therapy. I think that that is totally right. There is going to be a massive dichotomy between people that are spending based on need and people that have had a chance to kind of reflect and really think about why they're spending and where they're spending their money. And I think that actually there's a real opportunity for businesses to communicate that value and that kind of value-led relationship. I do think that a lot of people have been reflecting on this idea of mass consumerism pre-lockdown, but I just think that this has, lockdown has been a real catalyst for making people reconsider um, what they're spending on. So I just think that this is an issue that's just going to grow and grow. Beyond the need to find the sort of the tools that Ali has described to sort of extract consumer spend from these rather uh, tightly closed wallets, in terms of actually getting people out into the wild to actually get them so they're interacting with businesses, uh, they're going to shops, uh, they're actually seeing salespeople again, what role do you think marketers have in that? I think they have, a, they have a great role. I think um, the, the different media channels that could be used um, to engage with, with the public um, as people venture outdoors more. Um, uh, so, you know, out, out of home media, um, TV, some of the broadcast channels. So from a, from a communications perspective, um, there's, there's great opportunity there to reach the masses um, with, 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 mass, with mass messages. Um, but I think, on a more granular level, on a more sort of strategic level, I think businesses should be going back to basics and really using the four P's or the seven P's, whichever, whichever one you wish to implement, but really really reflecting on how each of those price product place promotion can, can be used to build trust and emotional engagement with your brand and can um, ride that emotional um, sentiment that exists within your audience base, whomever they may be. Um, to really ensure that the post-lockdown sentiment is being reflected in your messaging um, so that you remain relevant. Um, and you know, and that, that's a natural a way that you can possibly um, continue engagement with uh, a, a, an audience. Um, I'm thinking particularly for local businesses here where there could be a danger that they lose um, share of wallet to the major malts as, as sort of we come out of lockdown. I mean, presumably the hardest challenge the most acute challenge is going to be right at the front end of the unlock isn't it that you've got to get people to again 
change their behavior, to make that initial change. And these are that old adage that once you've done something once, it becomes a lot easier the second and third and fourth and fifth time. But to actually go and change people back to how they were, in terms, just in terms of getting them out of the house, that is going to be where the challenge is most acute, isn't it? It's indeed, and I think there's only a certain amount that any marketer can actually do to achieve that, if, if we're being brutally honest with ourselves. I think, um, you know, that there is a lot of lingering sentiments which, which will be almost, un, un, you know, uh, which would almost be impossible for marketers to overcome. You know, a recent survey by EY said that more than half of UK customers expect they'll now go shopping less. Um, and, and actually, to, to overcome that sentiment could be sort of pushing against the wind. I, I was talking to Ali the other day about a couple of instances that I saw whereby um, the messaging was just totally off the mark and, and a bit tone deaf by, by some retailers which talked about, you know, we were there for you in the darkest days of lockdown. Now, you know, can you be there for us? It sent completely the wrong message out. Any brand or business which is seen to be expediting a return to consumerism whereby that sentiment isn't felt by the audience is going to suffer that sort of begging bowl and reset strategy ali is just not going to work is it no i really don't think so i think consumers will remember what businesses were there for them and what businesses helped them i don't think they need to be reminded and also i think even these businesses that are now communicating their credentials around kind of hygiene and cleanliness I think that safe is the absolute minimum that we should be expecting from businesses. And I really think that focus on these kind of operational comms is just a really missed opportunity for engagement. In terms of engaging with their customers, it seems to me that it's an asymmetric picture, though. There are three broad groups in the economy at the moment of businesses, all of which have different goals and aims. So you've got on the one extreme, I suppose you might call them the mothballed sectors, you know, to the far extreme companies that haven't been able to open at all. So pubs and restaurants and hotels and the hospitality sector, if you like. In the middle ground, you've got some, the slow rollers, you know, they, they've, they've continued to operate, but not in a sustainable fashion. And so far as they're just ticking over, they've been able to make some sales. Uh, but not to the level they need to in order to survive long term. And then there's this third group, which we've spoken about a few times on this podcast show, which is they're almost the lockdown lovers. They're the uh, group that have actually benefited from the lockdown, and they tend to be uh, local businesses, James alluded to them earlier, butchers, bakers, vintners, uh, the sorts of shops you might find in your local uh, high street in your suburb you live or the town or village in which you live who have benefited because people don't want to go and queue for ages at the supermarket for example and also your mail order for firms who uh, uh you know sell wine or, or meat or whatever it is um uh, online and deliver it deliver it to your door and that group are quite interesting and you know, they've just had a massive increase in demand a massive increase of, of, of consumers so marketers in different sectors are going to be set very different challenges aren't they you know, if you're if you're working for an organisation representing an organisation that is one of the mothballed uh, uh, industries, you, you 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 your job is to get customers back from a zero start. If you're working for for one of the uh, lockdown lovers, 
your job is to retain customers and stop them leaking back to people they would traditionally shop with. So how on earth do marketers separate those three groups and what are the different strategies required, do you think, uh, for tackling those three groups? Well, I think firstly, starting with the latter uh, group that you mentioned, the kind of SMEs, the local businesses who we've touched on previously, I think we've seen customers kind of pivot spending based on need and based on what's available to them and most convenient to them. I don't think that's necessarily going to stop in the short term, but I certainly think that as more options are available, there's going to be definitely the chance for some of those good intentions that customers may commit to now to slip. You know, I've seen so many more um, customers saying that they want to shop local. Um, I saw a stat from YouGov that was three in five consumers say they've used more local stores and services and 57% of them want to continue doing that post-lockdown. And I think it's very easy in the short term to kind of make those statements and make those commitments. But actually, by the time big businesses are reopening, there is a real opportunity for those local um, shops and, and retailers to really fall by the wayside. And I think we've touched on the guilt messaging, which really isn't a, a viable tactic here. But I think SMEs really just have to make it as easy as possible to continue that relationship with the customers. And I think they have the opportunity based on the data that they will have collected and the transactions that they will have been facilitating over this time to really understand their customer and what they want. We've seen um, local retailers introducing subscription models, delivery services where these weren't originally available. I'd really say look at the guiding principles of what got you there and the agility that made you take those decisions in the short term and how you can implement them in the long term. But I also think that it's really important to remember that shopping small isn't just about shopping local. For me personally, I've discovered so many small businesses that aren't local to me, but that I've still been shopping with. I've discovered uh, a baker in Bedfordshire who I now get cakes delivered from, probably too many of them, but that's not the point. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and so it isn't just about a shop that's down the road. It's about having those delivery services, having the really robust digital marketing to get your business out there. So many SMEs aren't using digital advertising at all, but you know, a great proportion of those definitely not to the best of its ability. And I think getting their name out there, getting the kind of space and, and the share of consumers' mind is so important. Well, that's a really important point though, isn't it? That they've not necessarily done digital marketing much or at all. And you know, they, they've almost landed a whole bunch of customers by accident but to retain those customers because of the countermeasures that their, 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 their bigger competitors will soon employ, they're going to have to discover a marketing function, aren't they, James, and find it and find that firepower from somewhere. I think so, yes. I think I would employ them to play on the locality element um, and to lean on the community, um, use the social networks to identify anyone that can assist, really, particularly if they don't have any sort of uh, marketing um, output. Um, you know, unfortunately, we are seeing plenty of out-of-job marketers, um, uh, you know, coming onto the market, um, who are willing to help out local businesses. I believe I've, see, I've seen a few um, posts on LinkedIn from, um, from from previous colleagues who are unfortunately out of jobs now, who are offering their services to worthy causes. Um, and I think it um, would be prudent of local businesses to sort of seek out those people. Um, for free or at least very affordable consultancy work. So it's not insurmountable. Um, and I think I think the the insights that have been generated by these accidental customers, I think absolutely should be built upon to project into the future to show how that 
meaningful brand is relevant um, post-lockdown in the face of major multiples. There's an interesting stat by um, the Habas uh, Meaningful Brand Survey, which says that those that resonate at a meaningful level are 46% higher share of wallets. And there are three types of value that consumers look for, marketplace benefits, personal benefits, and collective benefits. Yeah. I think local businesses are almost uniquely placed to play on those three levers um, in, in a much more compelling manner than any major multiple could. But nevertheless, they shouldn't underestimate the scale of the challenge, should they? Because they are going to be hit with a heavy artillery from the multiples who want their customers back. Um, absolutely. I, I think that's totally right. And that's where I think that this element of innovation really needs to come in. We've seen so many small and local businesses innovating really quickly as lockdown has kind of taken hold, introducing new products, new services. And I think I would just really encourage them to continue with that. You know, this doesn't have to stop just because lockdown is over. This is the time to introduce, for example, subscription models, you know, get people signing up, get people connecting with your business for the long term, but also put your values, you know, your founder, your story at front and centre. This is a time that people really want to connect with these smaller businesses. And I think that giving people the opportunity to do that by kind of human to human connection is the best way to make those lasting engagements with consumers. It is absolutely, and there's there's lots of factors at play here. Is the, is the the convenience of popping to your local shop versus the convenience of going to a supermarket? And yes, you might have to keep a half an hour, but actually, you'll get the full week shopping in one hit. So there's lots of sort of contrary and and and, and opposing factors at play here. I think ultimately, local businesses really need to play on that sense of community that's been um, generated during lockdown. Um, absolutely to, to Ali's point, I think about um, getting people to commit on a more, you know, even at a data level, so providing contact details so that direct messaging can be can be sort of implemented, but also using that local presence as, as free media, ultimately, you know, if people are walking past your shop every day, make sure you have an A board on the pavement outside, you yeah. know, basic stuff, so that when people are driving by, you know, you're, you're catching their eye. And maybe even consider forming alliances with other local businesses to offer discounts to local residents. I know certainly in parts of Devon, um, when I've been down there visiting friends, that, that, that there are those sorts of initiatives which ensure that people, um, you know, that locals buy local. Um, so I think it's just thinking about more absolutely innovative ways maintaining those online presences which they sort of um, um, threw up very quickly to, to ensure that um, revenue was, was, was coming in and, and, and really implementing and playing to your strengths um, that the, the, the major multiples can't, can't touch you on. Let's talk about that other most local of businesses, um, the Great British Pub there at the other end of the scale is that they've been shuttered for the last nine, 10, 11 weeks or so. Um, will you be rushing down the pub as soon as they open? We think on the 4th of July, we're hoping on the 4th of July, will you be rushing down there? I think I probably will be, but purely out of um, novelty. Um, I think um, we've seen that in, in the reopening of McDonald's. Um, you know, I think, I think a lot of people have been talking about um, their uh, consumption and, and, and the habits that they're going to form and going to continue post. Um, the reality is the minute something opens that you've missed, um, you rush back to it. Time will tell whether the 
frequency of visits um, to those reopened um, venues is there or not. But um, you know, there was there was a there was an interesting survey by YouGov which asked respondents, "Is it too soon for non-essential shops to open their doors?" And 39% said it is, and 41% believed it was about right. Um, we've we've seen in other uh, continental um, countries where where the where the pubs and bars have opened is that it is a slow trickle, but actually the experience itself isn't particularly pleasant. With um, customers sat with face masks on, it's not a particularly pleasant experience. But I think pe you know people are doing it just because they haven't been able to do it for so long, and I think people want that um, element of normality um, and coming coming back in. But yes, I will be going for a pint, but it will clearly be in a pub garden. Yeah, and what about you, Ellie? Is it, will they, what do they need to do to lure you back? Not just for the short-term novelty sugar rush, but to make you start going back again as you normally would have done before the lockdown? Well, I think what's really interesting is to see businesses innovating with the space that they have. You know, pubs are going to be having to adhere to new guidelines, pubs and restaurants, clubs for so long that I really think that they need to be thinking about what else they can be doing. It's been really great to see um, kind of outside space being used for different reasons. James mentioned the pub garden. We've seen the re-emergence of kind of drive-in cinemas, um, more innovative uses of outside space, which aren't limited, um, and also in shops as well. So um, Selfridges is a great example where um, they know that customers are going to have to queue for longer um, and they're going to have to, you know, have a totally different shopping experience. They're bringing a more experiential element to their stores, which is something that is, is very close to the kind of core of their business anyway and something they were doing pre-lockdown. But just to make that experience a bit better for people, I think it's really thinking about what this new experience, this new journey is going to look like and where you can ease it, you know, where you can take away those friction points. And there are going to be some that are insurmountable, at least in the short term. But I think it's about seeing those opportunities where they are and pivoting to make sure that you can really address those and just give people the best experience given the circumstances. And I definitely think there's going to be a bit of leniency on the part of the customer, at least in the short term, to let businesses really adapt and find the best methods of doing that. Yeah, so willingness from the consumer to be reasonable and understanding that businesses are in a tricky position. They're in an unprecedented position and probably a willingness on the consumer to help out, to you know, get those uh, cherished businesses you know, that make, make high streets what they are, um, sustainable uh, and, and bringing pubs uh, back. But nevertheless, nevertheless, I'm still worried. I'm still worried about marketers' challenge. And one of the reasons I'm worried about it is that a lot of marketers are going to be faced this week, next week, or in a few weeks' time, holding with holding a, a fireball, you know, they, they, it's not something they've ever faced because none of us have ever faced it. In that they're going to be told, depending on who they're representing, who they're acting for, to get uh, the customers back, as we said, from a standing start, from a zero, um, to bring customers up uh, to a viable, sustainable level. Or if they're working for one of the lockdown lovers businesses to retain a whole bunch of accidental customers who are now going to be under pressure to return to their normal habits. How on earth do you approach it without being panicked that, oh, my God, I've got this Herculean task. I don't know where to start. I think it's a very real challenge and a very, very real issue that you flagged there. I think um, my, my recommendation would be to stick to the guiding principles of what makes marketing um, work. 
um, you know, whether it is the seven P's, um, whether it is getting gaining qualitative insights into your audience to ensure that you are relevant and that your product and the experience you offer is one that your um, audience or prospects um, desire. Um, you know, I think a lot of this is, you know, we're talking about retail businesses here, but equally um, in, in, in completely separate sectors, it's about um, the customer experience around being able to contact and be able to speak to somebody. You know, we're still very much in a world where key workers are rightly prioritized. Um, but, you know, when you ring up Sky to say that you've got an issue with your broadband, you know, they're saying that they're not taking calls or that they're only taking calls from key workers. Um, so contactability and, and actually being, being um, able to get hold of um, a business when um, staffing levels are lower as, 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 as businesses return to the offices. Um, you know, and I think it's about um, being there and, and for customers to be able to actually ask you questions and to engage with you. you know, and it might be something as simple as um, introducing an FAQ section on your website, um, which, which mirrors, you know, again, the sentiment um, of, of your audience, or it could even be implementing a live chat functionality on your website so that customers don't have to leave their house to ask you the question, you know, and they don't have to pick up the phone and keep certain lines of communication open for, you know, for, for, for the key workers, but actually, you know, engage and, and give options to your prospects so that they can rebuild that relationship with you. That's a really important, really good piece of advice, isn't it? A great day one strategy is to start re-establishing those lines of communications and clearing away the fog as much as you can, because there is a lot of consumer confusion and isolation that's occurred. And if there's one thing that we could start with, that strikes me as a good thing to start with. Completely agree. And also, I think the point that you mentioned about acknowledging the challenge ahead is really important. You know, taking stock, thinking about where you are now and where you've come in the last three months, however long your business has been in kind of a state of flux, because also then you're getting closer to the place that the customer is in right now, also in a massive state of flux, confusion and uncertainty. And I think that keeping that in mind and really kind of homing in on that and communicating with them in an empathetic, accessible way is going to be the core to getting back into the kind of hearts and minds of your customers. James, let's try to finish a little bit of a positive note. It is a positive thing that we are unlocking, but the scale of the challenge is such that, you know, one is quite easy to become daunted by it. But nevertheless, if marketers break it down into the chunks that they need to do and in the order, into a sensible order in which to do them, we could create a generation of marketers here which are going to have absolutely invaluable experience for when times are calmer. Absolutely. I think um, I stumbled across a, uh, an inspiring Winston Churchill quote um, yesterday, which, which was, um, never waste a good crisis. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think what this what this situation is doing is creating some really rich audience insights um, and some compelling um, profiles and, and, and behaviours um, which marketers you know often scrap around for to drive their strategies. Um, you know, and I think with any with, with any challenge, there is great opportunity. Um, and I think the way that consumers now interact with businesses 
um, and the way that the doors have been opened by various businesses to to to, to interact with customers that have pre that they previously hadn't been able to, i.e., setting up online um, you know functionalities, extending their product lines into new areas to help. Um, I think there is there is great opportunity um, that, that that just wasn't there before. James Farmer, Alan Boone, thank you very much indeed. CIM podcast.